Hello, and welcome to the Turbulent Marketing Podcast, where we talk to industry experts about the ups and downs of marketing. Our host is Mike Williams, Director at Jetstream. All right, welcome to another episode of the Turbulent Marketing Podcast. I'm stoked to have another wonderful guest on the show today, Oliver Jervis, who's currently the VP of Operations with Covalt uh, and has a decent uh, few years of experience with digital marketing, uh, but is still fairly new to the game. But when you talk to him, when you hear him chat, you're going to think this guy's got 15, 20 years, but he's only been at it since 2014. Uh, so welcome to the show, Oliver. Really great to uh, have you here. Thanks, mate. Pleasure, uh, pleasure to be here. Great. So why don't you talk a little bit right now about what you're up to with Covalt and what Covalt's doing uh, and just kind of share some of your story uh, with that crew. Yeah, well, it's, it's been an interesting ride with Covalt so far. So uh, uh, Covalt Technologies currently has a, a platform um, and the, the focus is around co-op marketing. And uh, so, I mean, I could get into a little bit of what, what co-op marketing is, but it's the area of uh, brands assisting their resellers in in their advertising costs. And uh, that was a, a really easy model back in the day when they used to do uh, print advertising. The example I give, which I've talked to you before, Mike, was like if somebody's doing a, like a, a dealership's doing a, an automotive dealership in this example is dealing a, uh, an ad or a promo in the phone book of all things, uh, you know, uh, that, that manufacturer would actually, you know, pay for like half of that placement. So if it was like a $20,000 ad placement, um, that, that manufacturer, let's say Ford in this example would, would pay for half, so 10, 10 K and, and they would, uh, they would share in those costs so long as the advertising met the standards of Ford in this example. So Ford logo was right and everything was, was correct. And at that frequency of like once a year, it's not a big deal. Um, but now you, uh, you know, get out of the, the ice age really in terms of marketing, you go to digital marketing, uh, is a huge barrier there because you're getting, uh, media or assets that need to be proved almost daily if you're doing, you know, active campaigns. Uh, especially when you're dealing with digital marketing and media and uh, the inefficiencies of that, uh, of the current, currently employed uh, infrastructure uh, is so uh, flawed. I'll use that language to be polite uh, that uh, it's, uh, it's so inefficient that uh, in North America alone, the number we know is uh, there's 70 billion. That's a B uh, up for grabs every year uh, in North America. And because it's so inefficient, 35 billion of that doesn't even get used. So uh, that there's a huge opportunity there. That's, you know, $35 billion opportunity. And so the, just to give you the, the background or the context of kind of the main premise of what uh, Cobalt was, was looking at. And so they, uh, would, we've created a, a platform, if you will, that helps and assists with the, the ad approval process. And so my, uh, my role to come in was to kind of come in a, from a, uh, infrastructure standpoint and understand the business opportunity and who the customer ultimately would be for the company try to understand what that is, which we can talk about at length. But, uh, and then also once that was established and finding a, a revenue model or a sales, sales funnel, all those kind of things, uh, then work to scale it, uh, specifically focusing on, you know, digital marketing and media using, uh, sources such as Facebook, Google, all those kind of things. Cool. Yeah. Uh, just that, to... that was a mouthful. I know. So you asked a small <laughs> question, you got a large answer. I apologize. It's not easy to package it in a really concise elevator pitch, you know, in, in 20 seconds. No, it, it makes sense. It's, uh, it's pretty clear to me, but we've chatted before. Yeah. Um, just coincidentally on the, uh, the phone book thing, I can teach you how to rip those phone books. I was part of a company that uh, was changing the way people connected with businesses uh, called Ring Partner. And one of yeah. our things that we used to do was teach employees how to rip phone books. So if you hold it in just the right way, you can tear it right down the middle. Not through, not through the spine, but it's still pretty yeah. cool. Well, yeah, you'd have to show me that because I certainly don't have yeah. the strength to, to, to rip one of those phone books. They're like, oh, you I, do. I haven't even seen one for years, but they, the, uh, you know, those like four inch thick phone books from, from back in the, back in the day, you know, they're getting thinner. It's less yeah. impressive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So definitely a sign of the, the, the changing landscape. And so mm -hmm. if I'm going to understand that correctly, um, what you're doing is taking those co-op dollars and spending them digitally. So do you actually do the ad buys on Facebook and Google? Yeah, so several different models. So um, what, what we found is this. So I'll, now I'll, I'll take a, a step back and, and kind of go to the, the value proposition um, to, to these manufacturers. So what I love about the uh, you know, digital marketing and media is it's such a different environment towards uh, traditional business sales funnels where you can actually get true, tangible, I call it physical, 
uh, evidence that this is a uh, an ROI machine. And ultimately, uh, you know, I want to be able to bring someone into that uh, that light, if you will, or that, that kind of understanding what their business is like. If I take $10 and I put it into this this sales funnel with this digital marketing and media, then I can get you know, $50 in revenue out the back end, you know, those kind of things. And so when you change the uh, paradigm, the perspective that people have with that, and uh, it really changes the way that they engage you in terms of your marketing, because they know, hey, I spent $10 and made 50, I want to spend 100 with you and make 500. Right. Right. So it, it changes the model. And so um, that was a big piece of, uh, of, of bringing that kind of aspect to this game, but you're dealing with uh, especially when I'm talking about the co-op marketing and media stuff with um, established brands, you're dealing with very, um, I, I don't know how to word it, like you have to really change some behavior uh, in terms of what they've got some really established uh, business systems that have been there for 20 or 30 years. And that's just the way we do it. That kind of mentality. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen that a lot coming from the agency side, right. Is, you know, yeah. people are like, Oh, we're used to spending on TV or we'll buy on a bus ad. And, and I just kind of like, why? I mean, if it makes sense, great. But, but in a lot of cases it doesn't, and they just don't understand the digital world. And so you're really undoing some, some long held uh, beliefs and behaviors in order to take us an, an older school kind of concept in co-op marketing and take that digitally. What are some of the challenges or, or you know, like what are the, some of the big successes or failures you've had through this uh, with Cobalt? Well, it's been, it's been, so the, the successes are when we're able to, um, you know, hold up for someone. Like we do what I call a sample set, which we can get into talking about how we, you know, measure small campaigns, start out, make mistakes, but do a sample set for a manufacturer or a client. And we're able to then hold, hold up for them. We're like, here you go. You know what I mean? I'll use a very simplistic example of like, you know, cost per lead campaign or something like that. We're able to generate, you know, uh, 50 leads for you at an average price of 1250 a lead. And if you're able to convert at X percent, you know, I won't get into too many, too many numbers, but you know, able to do one in six, say, let's say that you convert one in six or even one in 10 and your average sales price is X, look at your ROI. And uh, so I have seen some clients um, eyes kind of open up and, but it's, uh, I found that, uh, the challenges uh, come into dealing with people that are uh, sophisticated, and that's a very polite way of word it, sophisticated enough to understand and appreciate that type of model, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, especially when you're dealing with huge corporations, um, you know, talking, depending on their level of sophistication, because I was shocked, uh, one of the learnings for me was how unsophisticated um, some of these larger corporations were. Mm. I won't name any names. Um, but I mean, to this day, still doing things like mailing things into head office or faxing things in, I mean, who has a fax? Or the fax. You know, you go in, when you're doing your market research, you, you know, you're just asking tons of questions. Like, so tell me what you guys do. Like, what does that look like? And you know, you're just digging, digging, digging to understand where the, the pain points are. And then and when I come back with some of the research, I was blown away. I was like, these people are still like mailing things in and printing things out and putting it in an envelope and filling out a form by hand and sending it in. And so while when you look at that, you think, oh my God, huge opportunity, because we can make such an exponential improvement in terms of their efficiencies. We also have to be very careful, which is the learning that uh, you're changing behavior. And anytime we're changing behavior is a red flag for me for business, because you, you're going to come up against things that um, are not logical. Yeah, or, way. or very strongly held and you got to undo them and educate at the same time. Yeah. And, and, uh, and then what was the analogy I want to use? Like anyone who's blazes a trail uh, is typically not the, the one left standing at the end of the road. Like for example, was I thinking about this morning, uh, cell phones, like the people that blaze the trail on cell phones, I think it must've been like who, like Motorola, Motorola. Nokia and Nokia, right? Like they were the, they, they were, were the big the, ones. Yeah. They, they were the big ones pushing blazing trails, cell phone towers, all that stuff. And, and then now where are they? Now you got Samsung, Apple, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, maybe Google. They're yeah. Well, I really think about that a lot too, as as the ones that blaze the trail. Because you think back to like search engines, right? We had like Alta Vista and and Dogpile or yeah. you know, web crawler. Netscape, Netscape. You know what Netscape. I mean? Like back in the day, like where, where are they now? You know. Yeah. So, it's, uh, so somebody always leapfrogs, or like you know, like like Facebook really shouldn't have been the the social network. It should have been. I think it was Friendster was really paving 
the, the path there. And there's a couple other players as well. And then yeah, Facebook and learned from what they did. And yeah, MySpace. MySpace was yeah. like before them too, you know? And I, I think it's like the people that blaze a trail and then they find out the pain points really painfully. And then other people come in who are, you know, they have a different pers- paradigm or different perspective and they're able to, for lack of a better word, capitalize on. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so it's, it's, it's a bit, of, that's been a lot of learning for us for sure, um, for sure. And then we've had some, you know, some setbacks too because of the pandemic to be candid. For sure. I can't go into details with the specific clients, but you know, we have people who have supply chains literally from China. Right. You know, and, and they'd phone and say, hey, we got problems, you know, and then their offices are in Europe, I won't say where. And, and, uh, and, and they're dealing with, you know, people in their company actually, you know, actually, you know, passing away. It's, it was oh, horrible. Wow. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it, it definitely affects, uh, that has affected the, the company also those people, you know, in different ways, depending on their geography, where they, where they live. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's tough times for sure. Yeah. And we're in the West coast of Canada, which is in a bubble. And, and beyond that, we're in, you know, Vancouver Island of all places. So we're in yeah. this crazy bubble. So it's, it's definitely, it's, it's good to have the perspective of, you know, what's going on for other people and other companies right now. For sure. For yeah. sure. So uh, it sounds like you can't really mention client names, but maybe you mm. can mention some of the verticals, the types of companies that you would work with or are looking to work with. Yeah. So I, I can, I can talk about a couple of them. So um, definitely uh, automotive, uh, the automotive industry seemed like a, I would want to call it the, the term we used was like, it's a 700 pound gorilla in the room. Like, you know, if you, you can tackle that, uh, you could, you could tackle a lot. Uh, power sports, uh, so, um, like, and also Marine, you know, uh, those, those types of things, uh, we've looked at, uh, there's so many different verticals I could go on and on. The, the challenge became, um, sitting down, uh, doing some critical thinking about what verticals, uh, we felt we had the best shot at, uh, uh at getting into or, or having an opportunity with, and then just going down the rabbit hole and, uh, and doing some market research, talking to people and getting in front of the decision makers and, and I'll say for lack of a better word, you know, uh, understanding what their problems were and then pitching the, the platform and the solution to them. Mm-hmm. And then you, you just, you keep uh, learning as you go along. And sometimes you think, oh, that was a slam dunk. And other times you, you're like, oh, man, we're in, <laughs> le- we're in the field here. So it's, uh, it, it's a constant, uh, constant evolution. But yeah, I don't know what else I talked about in terms of verticals. Solar was brought up. We talked about solar and investigated that quite a bit. Uh, and then even... Um, uh, even the cannabis industry right in Canada, of course. Right. But, um, yeah, there's, uh, there's so many different, uh, industries and verticals that, that apply this. There's, uh, heating and cooling HVAC systems, right. appliances. I mean, I could, I could literally sit here and for half an hour and go all the different, um, verticals that, that, uh, employ or have something like a, a co-op model, uh, for their uh, brands to resellers. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's cool. It's interesting that it's taken this long for someone to kind of disrupt that market. Maybe it's a little bit hidden or a little bit traditional, but are there other competitors? Well, uh, no, I can, I can actually answer that. So, I mean, <laughs> the, the, that's what I thought when I first went in. And so you've got to be, I, I find you have to be very, we have to be very careful when we sit there and we go like, why hasn't anyone thought of this? Do you know what I mean? And to, and I certainly never ignore the marketplace or the industry and think that there isn't a lot of creativity and a lot of talent out there. There, there's tremendous amounts of that. And so if somebody hasn't really tackled the problem, there may be reasons why. Mm-hmm. And so I would suggest to you that uh, one of the, one of the main reasons, again, is what I alluded to at the very beginning uh, or earlier in our conversation, I should say in changing behavior. And so that's been a real um, uh, speed bump to entry uh, to, to get people to it, to adopt this change and to, and to do it effectively. And then, and then that of course affects you being able to scale. So my, my whole mind goes to scale. Well, this is going to take me, you know, 72 hours to close one sale, mm-hmm. you know, what's that sale worth? And I just reverse engineer it and go, great. It's going to take us six months to get to half a million a month. Like, you know, let's not do this. <laughs> you know, it, right. it just takes up too much bandwidth and time. For sure. So yeah. So I'd, I'd suggest that is why um, it's, it's a big challenge and it's also not consistent, right? So you have people that have different infrastructures and needs based on just their company and their culture. Um, and so, yeah, it was, uh, it's, it's very interesting. So it's almost like you have to create a unique, uh, solution for almost each client. Mm. And so, uh, a lot of thought has been put into making, um, the platform very evergreen is what I would, what I would say, mm-hmm. uh, so that it can be uh, easily adaptable and create different workflows and do those kind of things. So it's, 
it's uh, it's constantly learning. Yeah, and I think that's with 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 any startup, you know, you, you find that. But certainly, looking for your points of scales, you know, uh, points of scale as a entrepreneur, but also as a as a marketer, right? Like that's something we've always looked for. Mm-hmm. Um, if we can if we can back up a little bit, you said yeah. that you kind of got your start in in twenty fourteen. Yep. Um, what uh, what started that? Like, why did you get into this? Because yeah, I, my understanding of you as well is uh, kind of a perfect fit for Cobalt being a uh, performance marketer, a marketer, entrepreneur. And then you have this history in power sports, which I honestly don't know much about. So yeah, you can kind well, of rewind yeah, a bit. Yeah, it, go, it goes for a bit. So I mean, if I, if I really wind the tape back, I go back to um, for, for close to 10 years, I raced motorcycles professionally. And so I, I did road racing. So uh, the guys with the knees on the ground is the best way I could describe it. So, <laughs> so um, and that was a, a fantastic uh, experience. And I was just following uh, my, if I want to use kind of language as to who I was, you know, I was, I was into bikes. And it was the only thing that I would like clap my hands and, and go to work. But so prior to that, I was working as a consultant. So we go back a little bit further working as a consultant and I would implement business systems. And I was working with people in the real estate and mortgage industry. And then that was a, a re- really elegant job for me because I was a self-employed uh, and I was able to kind of help uh, real estate agents go from, you know, either startup or where they exist, where they were existing and then take them to, you know, um, number one, uh, number one in their marketplace uh, was always typically the goal. And so I did that with a couple of, of higher profile names here on uh, the island uh, for sure. Uh, I won't name names again, but uh, some of the, the the bigger real estate agents and, and teams on the on the island have have, have used me back in, in those days beforehand, and so I got a really good understanding of um, implementing business systems in the business, and I got a really um, a, a wonderful education, I'd call it, in terms of uh, kind of human behavior when it came to uh, actually implementing things in their companies because people were so busy working in to use this you know the analogy they were so working busy in the company that they couldn't work on it. And so the, the example of real estate agents, and I'll get back to the racing, was uh, conversation goes everywhere, uh, was um, I'd come into their office and they'd have all these books and tapes and seminars and all this stuff of all these things. And I would just observe. And I was like, okay, well, you know, when you went to that seminar, there must have been several things that you felt you wanted to, to put in place. And they'd be like, oh, I had all this. I'm going, well, how much of it did you put in place? And they're like, none of it. I was like, well, why don't we make a commitment that in the next three months we do, you know, three, four, five of those things, whatever it was, you know, a realistic uh, achievable goal and they'd be like we can do that I'm like that's what we should do um, and then obviously I had some perspectives on you know what was the best dollar productive thing for them to to improve on and so that was it and then I, my sales pitch was basically look I, I, I won't even take a salary I only take whatever I make in terms of an improvement of your company but but if you if, that, if that's the way it's set up you're gonna pay me well right and so uh, so I basically only got pro- uh, got paid on results so to speak and so it was a phenomenal job for me because I could easily go in and you know, make a substantial change. Which is a very performance marketing type mindset. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's funny though. I mean, it, it, it sometimes it's bit me in the butt because it's <laughs> people quickly forget where they were, you know, and, and like next thing you know, you've doubled their business effectively. And then, you know, six months later, they're going, well, I'm paying you all this money. I'm like, well, yeah. you're, you're, you can have 50% of something or a hundred percent of nothing. Right. You know, what do you, what do you, what do you want? Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, how does this not make sense? But, Anyway, it was uh, interesting. So that, that afforded me the time. And then I, I got to, uh, then I did some, uh, some racing for close to 10 years. And so that was an amazing uh, experience. Took me all over the world. I wrote for magazines, um, did testing for, uh, for top brands overseas, raced internationally, uh, US, Europe, um, all over. Wow. That's cool. So yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was an amazing, uh, an amazing uh, time in my life. So totally, uh, you know, no idea how I was going to tackle this huge um, challenge. It just kind of just went after it and and did the very best I could with whatever, uh, whatever we could be through everything added every year until, cool. uh, until roughly 2008 when, uh, the big economy, uh, economy took a big hit. And then I raced pretty much until 2010, I would say, uh, where I still did most racing. And then 2010, I took a hiatus and then I started back up in 2015, uh, not to be, uh, not to race nationals anymore or to do it as at the high level, but more because I just wanted to, to, be in that culture right. still use use some skills that i've you know taken years to to develop and i'm yeah. still doing it to this day this year no because of the pandemic the borders closed so i can't race but uh you know up till last year i was racing for a team down in the u.s and it was a fantastic deal to show up ride and and uh, and then go home at the end of the weekend very interesting yeah. is there anything i'm sure there's lots of things that relate to 
like riding a bike or racing that you apply to business or marketing concepts? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I talk about this all the time with people. I said, there's so many uh, parallels to racing and, and business that I apply. And most of it revolves around what I call sample sets. And so I use that language, whether I'm racing a motorcycle or whether or not I'm, you know, uh, trying out a new vertical or even a new business looking at it and just going out and, you know, you, you'd go out and make a very small change to the motorcycle and you would evaluate that over a couple of laps and see if it made an improvement. Like, did I improve or didn't I? So you're right. AB testing basically constantly yeah. to use our language, right? Yeah. Uh, AB testing constantly. And then also, um, you know, more traumatic things that happen. Like one time I got injured, um, I broke my, uh, I'll tell you the story because it relates to it. I broke my leg in 2007 on, yeah, it was May 20th, 2007. Ask me if I remember. Mm -hmm. And um, it was uh, very strange. So I was doing really well riding the bike up to that point, but I was more riding now in hindsight, more riding just based on a bit of bravery. I'll call it that. Right. Uh, you know, it's being pretty brave and, and going in and, and still getting the job done, but not really, um, not really appreciating everything. So, uh, when I broke my leg about four weeks later, I had to ride the bike again, uh, had to make, had to pay bills. And so, but now I'd lost all of the ability to use my physicality mm -hmm. on the, on the bike. And so it forced me to, uh, it forced me to change. And I had to start thinking about, um, my riding and how I rode the bike. And so the same analogy comes when I come to business, when things go, go south, it forces you into this, this change or this, a different way to look at it. And so I'll, I'll, you know, I'll keep the story short. Um, at the end of the day, uh, I figured out how to ride the bike, not using my uh, physicality. But then when I came back in 2008 at this time, I then had regained A, a new perspective and B, I'd regained my strength. And we, we kicked butt in that particular year. You know, I had a, my best year ever, you know, won, won just about every race. So the, the same thing I find happens with business with our failures is that it's a uh, the learning that comes from it, although when you're in the, in the midst of it, you're like, oh man, this is brutal. Um, you gain perspective, you know, that I can usually apply to uh, always make new mistakes is the motto, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, always make some form of new mistake and then, uh, and then go forward. So the same thing applies with, uh, with business, a sample set, uh, you know, run a small test, figure out very quickly, fail as quickly as possible. That's a motto of mine. Yep. As quickly and as cheaply as possible um, and then move on. Yeah. And, uh, and don't get too tied to your critical beliefs, I think is a massive, massive learning that I've had over several years. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and not get too, don't tie your ego in too much to the success of the campaigns because they will ultimately fail or end or, you know, break a leg, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like things happen. Yeah. But what comes out of that, it sounds like is, is a new way of looking at it, new perspective, maybe some new technique that actually makes you that much better. And I think that as marketers and entrepreneurs, we're constantly kind of reinventing ourselves or, or getting a further understanding. But, you know, I can relate to that, you know, sort of in my younger years as a marketer, it was just like, just work harder, right? It wasn't about working smarter. It was just like muscle through it, right? Like you kind of talked about that. It's like, you know, just a bit of bravery. It was just like, for me, it was just like, just go, 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 go. Yeah. And then as you get older, you get a little bit smarter, a little bit wiser. And I can relate to it on the soccer field, right? Like, I chase down every ball and run after everything and try to do all the things. And then as you get older, you're like, no, I won't win that ball. So I'm not going to chase it. I'll conserve my energy. And so you actually get better as you get wiser and, and you lose some of that like muscle or bravery. And then you just have to be smart about it. So I think yeah. that's true in entrepreneurship and, and marketing as well. Oh, absolutely. Me. I think that, uh, yeah, I'd completely agree with you. It's uh especially with marketing, as long as you're making new mistakes and you learn to just be more and more efficient. And I think that there's this misconception that you've just got to be this complete grinder 24 seven, you know, and, and there's no way you can digest. This was something that came up for me was this anxiety that came up about all the new information that was coming out constantly. Oh, there's this new, new platform. Like, I mean, there's new platforms coming out every other week. There's TikTok, there's this, there's that. And you, now you need to be an expert in this. And, and I found that you just need to kind of step back be an expert in your little corner, understand that, that platform, if you will, or, or vertical really well and the nuances because yeah. they do change and, and come into play. And then just kind of what I had with our company was, uh, was almost pods, if you will. So I had, you know, the media buying team and then you'd have um, resource team and then they would all work off the same kind of resources because it was constant learning that went back and forth, depending on what vertical, um, you know, someone would find something really interesting, a certain vertical, and sure enough, it would have some type of uh, an effect positively, usually, on on the other verticals we're running. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and, you know, you just maybe think of like, you know, it's some of these different platforms and different ways of marketing digitally. It's kind of like learning a new language. If you're a developer or a programmer, like you've mm -hmm. learned one language and then now you've got to learn something else. And because you've learned one, you can learn that other one faster. So for me, I, my introduction was to, to uh, digital marketing was really into uh, SEO, which then evolved into PPC. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. I really dove deep on, on PPC or, or like paid search. And then from there, like Facebook came out, like Facebook became a new platform. It's like, okay, well, let's go figure that out. And knowing that I had been able to figure out paid search, I knew that I could figure out Facebook. And there's a lot of stuff that relates from one to the other, right? So knowing that TikTok is a new platform or Snapchat was, or, you know, advertising on Twitter or whatever the next platform is going to be or how they change, you know, I'm just prepared as a, as a marketer with what I've learned that I can learn the next thing. And it's kind of like being a developer that's like, hey, I code in this language. They're like, yeah, but we code in this. Like, okay, well, I'll learn that, right? I mean, it's yeah. not necessarily easy, but having that basis certainly helps. Oh, totally. I think the, the language I'd use is you just have to be adaptable. You know, yeah. things are going to adapt. And then, and then it's having the, the, the infrastructure and the time and everything in place where you give yourself the space to be able to, to understand those things. Right. You know, either you have the have people in place where you go, okay, hey, you know, I'm gonna, you know, you're 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 now the the Facebook person or you're the TikTok person, and you know, I'm gonna set you off for a week, and I want you to come back and let me know yeah. what what uh, what this looks like, and if, if we can make things turn around. And, and again, it just takes a sample set. You're like, here you go, here's a grant, go try this out, see if you can get something to convert. If yeah. you can, maybe we can start using this. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. And and I'm very much with you on the the A/B testing. Um, but um, also, you know, I've talked to some other marketers uh, who come from a more traditional marketing background, the old school, not, not mm -hmm. quite Mad Med, but that type of agency where they really think about the psychology and the copy. Um, and I'm just kind of curious how much you get into that, because for me personally, I learned to A-B test. And so we have probably arrive at the same thing, right, or the same angle or strategy. Yeah. yeah. How you get there is different. Where would you put yourself in that as a, as a marketer? I think it's an interesting question and I think, uh, and I'm not trying to be Switzerland, but I think it depends on what side of the fence I'm on um, in terms of the marketing campaign. If I'm like for Covalt, for example, where I have, um, you know, I'm tied to the, to the company at, at, a, at a base value and I want to make sure that there's a success, a long-term success, then I'm putting a lot more thought into the psychology if that makes any sense. Yep. Now, if I'm, if I'm simply doing a marketing campaign and it's a, you know, a CPA, CPL, you know, campaign, whatever it is. Um, and I, and I, and all that, all they're looking for is the acquisition that I'm, that I'm trying to make my ROI, uh, from, a, if, if we're talking about like an affiliate type of yep. uh, relationship. So I guess it would depend on the relationship when it came to that. I would, I would put some effort into like, we're talking about like uh, affiliate stuff or put some effort into, uh, understanding what worked for um, ultimately the the, the client, um, but we would be, have to be careful there too because I think sometimes um, uh, I'm going to say not all the time, but sometimes their lack of of, of sophistication on their back end, uh, they would try to hold you accountable. Like, hey, we're not closing as much of these as, as as we would like, and then I would start asking questions. You know, okay, well, you know, what's your conversion rate looks like? What does it need to be? you know, what are, what are we looking at here? What's your cost per acquisition pricing? What's the, you know, be transparent with me. Tell me what it needs to be. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, so I, I think you got to be careful um, if you're doing an affiliate model that you don't get wrapped up in their inability sometimes to, to close. Yeah. Yeah. And that's drag you into that. Yeah. Well, I think that's part of the, the issue with, with uh, affiliate marketing is that as an affiliate, you only own so much of the process, right? Like, you know, we're yeah. going to buy the clicks and we're going to send them to the landing page and then we're going to flip them over to the, to you know the network or the advertiser and it's up to them yeah. to close but we don't know how they close is it going to their best agents you know are they doing the best what's their language beyond that is the angle that i've found and discovered actually matching up with them right like yep. if i found these certain keywords that work really great for me to get a lead but when they get on the phone they're different right so you know it's a, it's a tough game to play uh and for me as a as a marketer i want to own a little bit more of that process not necessarily um you know own the sales team and all of that sort of thing but have a little bit more insight right because if we can add more conversions or increase the average order value or lifetime value of customers the value yep. of the the lead we've sent goes up right yep. And then we can send more traffic. So well, I, I I can give you my my war story in this regard. So I, right. I really went down the rabbit hole here. So what I did was um, um, 
we were doing, um, I'm, I'm thinking about how much to tell you in terms of the vertical, but I'll just, I'll just keep it kind of vague. So we were doing, we were doing a campaign with a client um, where we were basically just sending them leads. And when, when they, we first started with them, they were just like, this is amazing. Keep sending us more. And so we, we got to where we were doing, and I felt like this was going to be a really good niche vertical for us. And we were working directly with the clients. It was fantastic. And they were able to scale. I'm talking real scale in the U.S. So it was serious money. And um, what, what happened, uh, which is kind of the, the, I'm going to say the typical kind of story that you hear is that after a little while, you know, they started to go, well, hey, we're not closing as many of these. Can we improve the lead quality? So on and so forth. And so I, I literally went down the rabbit hole and I was like, well, I want this to work. You know, I'm, I'm looking at this for, you know, I, I want our relationship to be, you know, two, three, four years at minimum, not two or three months. Like, let's, mm -hmm. make, let's make this work. So really, you tell me, I'll disclose to you. Let's really, you know, let's lift up the hood and take a look. And so what I started to do was I started to say, okay, well, I was starting to see that they had some serious inefficiencies in their business infrastructure. And I thought to myself, I can't control that. And so what I can't control, I, this was my mindset. I'm going to, because uh, I have a lot of faith in our abilities to be candid, I'm going to take that over and keep removing these roadblocks of what they say is holding them up from going to like, you know, crazy scale. And so ultimately what ended up happening was first we're doing a CPL model. Then, uh, then we started to go to a, uh, a, a very much more refined CPL model where I was putting a lot of um, hoops, putting the, the leads through a lot of different hoops and I was filtering the leads very efficiently. So on our end, so that they would only receive leads that match their criteria, like perfect. And then I went through the logistics of finding buyers for all the other leads that didn't match you know, this, this one client's particular, very high standards, uh, which was interesting game. So I, I had basically had uh, almost like a ping post uh, yeah. set up, if that makes sense, yeah. uh, where, where things were going. So we got to that level of sophistication leads would come in, our system would, would filter them through and then send them out appropriately. So that worked really well for a while. And then again, as time went on, they started to go, okay, you know, we're not starting to close as many of these, so all these kind of things. So I said, well, great, tell me more. And so they're like, well, here are our callers are having this. So then I said, well, let me, I want to listen to a few of your calls. Let me, let me listen in. So I listened in. To, I just picked a few random ones, and it was atrocious. It was absolutely, <laughs> it was absolutely horrible. And I was like, I'm surprised that you're even closing what you're closing. <laughs> so then, then, then I thought, and this is, I think, how we ultimately came into touch. I, I thought about putting in a, um, a system that would effectively, I won't go into too many details, would effectively uh, not only filter the leads, put them into a, a, a lead gen system, but then would get that individual on the phone. Uh, and it's there and it's be, it would be their kind of their instigation, if that makes sense. So you've got a very high level lead. If someone's actually, you know, Hey, I do want to talk about this right mm -hmm. now, that kind mm -hmm. of thing, uh, for lack of a better word. And then I would then hand that call okay. off to the, uh, so their phone would ring with a validated lead. So I started like keep removing all these pieces. Yeah. And what, uh, what I found was that, uh, despite all of this effort, and it was of course, you know, at great expense and, and a lot of logistics to put all these things in both technically and, you know, like gray matter, um, <laughs> despite all these efforts, uh, the, uh, the end kind of, um, stepping point or speed bump was their inability to put really quality people on the phone to close, mm. uh, to close these clients. And yeah. like I, kept, I kept listening to the calls afterwards and I'm like, I gave you a, you know, a hot potato basically. And you just drop it. Yeah. Well, you, you're basically doing like a hot transfer, right? Where you're kind exactly. of warming the lead up and, and you've removed all of their objections. But sometimes, you know, I think with some of those where you're working with clients and you scale their business so quickly, they've got to go out and find the team. So yeah. they got to have enough people to answer the phones or make the calls and, yeah. and who they can get in a pinch isn't as good as maybe that guy that they had at first that was accepting, you know, 40, 50 leads. Well, now he's getting 400, 500, you know, and, and you've got, you know, three other guys in the team that aren't as good to, you know, be blunt yeah. about it. But um, certainly a, a, an example that, you know, I'm familiar with. And um, it's interesting because it almost gets to the point where some of these where you're like, well, I'm owning this much of the funnel why don't I just do what they're doing? <laughs> oh, yeah, well, you, you, you make a great point. So like, you think like me, so there were, there were parts of me that thought, well, I'm just going to get a call center. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, 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 I, and I literally talked to friends who, who operate call centers in the, in the U.S. and in other parts of the world and, and, and really, really put some, you know, some thought into, am I going to yeah. you know, make, this, make this investment? And it was, it was a place I actually didn't want to go. I got to the point where I was just like, you know, this is, I'm owning so much of this funnel 
why don't I just own this type of business? That's yeah. where it got to for me. Yeah. Because I think that so many people don't put value to how, um, how critical uh, a well-rehearsed sales funnel is. I mean, it yeah. is a business at the end of the day. Yeah. And so I, I, I enjoy working with people that value that type of uh, contribution. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and I've, I've seen this as well. Like it seems like marketing and sales kind of knock heads. And, and a lot of times like they have to work together because they're kind of one in the same unit, right? Where, you know, like if we're sending leads, you need to pick them up and, and deal with them appropriately. Or if, we're, if, if marketing is sending leads or traffic that's not quality, we need to know that and make adjustments accordingly, right? But it seems like in a lot of situations, marketing kind of does this. And in the affiliate world, it's very much you know, the affiliate marketer and the sales team that's going to close, right? Yeah. It's uh, move that out, then it would work so much better. Yeah. So that, I think that was one of our value propositions is we worked really closely. So from the day we started to the day, you know, basically um, yeah, for, for years and even now great, still great relationships. Uh, we had the same clients because we took the approach of actually working with them. There was no smoke and mirrors in what we did. Like that was one of the things. Cause I think that in online digital online marketing and media, I think there's a, it's a black hole of uh, a lot of people who are smoke and mirrors and sure. they're like, Oh, you need to do this. You need to do that. And they use language. They use, you know, I, you need to get the right CPA for the CPC and, you know, and, and, and all, all of these kind of this, this, this lingo and it baffles most, most people. But if you yeah. can actually have like some transparency and go, look, here's the deal. Here's the physics of what we're doing. I will, I will show you under the hood. This needs to work for me. You need to be okay with me making money. And I'm happy when you make money. It's a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. And so I didn't necessarily tell them exactly what my ROI was, but I would be like, I need this to back out at this level. I need my water lines um, for this to be of value to me to take, you know, people off of what's currently making money and put them into something new. And, and, uh, and as long as I had uh, some sophisticated players then we would kind of work together and then dance in the moment, if you will, sure. uh, in terms of, you know, what that pricing would work like. And yeah, it, it, a couple of the relationships we had were absolutely phenomenal that way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah, it's great when it when it comes together, when it works, and then you know you're hoping it can last uh, for as long as possible. Yeah, and then, then you just work on scaling it, uh, you know, with them, and you've got to kind of ramp that up that curve, you know, carefully because, like you just alluded to, they might not have people in place to close these these leads. Yeah, because hand, hand on heart, every every person I talked to ever ever always said, "Oh, I'll take as many leads as you can get," and I was like. <laughs> Until they have as many leads as they can get. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa yeah. slow down. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think um, one of the biggest learnings for me was to scale, you know, uh, and, and, I, and I still understand that I only have this minuscule part of the wedge when it comes to scale. But my, my eyes were blown open when it came to dealing with online marketing and media because I just couldn't wrap my head around the volume that we could do even in what my narrow mind, and I'm going to say this, like I felt like I was narrow-minded because I'd, I'd look at doing like, let's say, a, I use, I use this as an example for scale talking about California. People would say, well, uh, well, what are you running? I said, well, running uh, something to do with automotive in California. And they go, well, just California. And I go, well, you have to understand that in Canada, there's you know, 36 million people in Canada and in California alone, 34 million automobiles. Yeah. So like, think about that. And then, and I even, and I'd say that I'd think back, oh, that's, that's absolutely shocking. Yeah. You know, and then you start going, well, you know, even if I only get 0.00001% of, you know, this, and we're able to do that in the next six months, you know, still that's, pretty good. That's amazing. Amazing revenue. You yeah. Know? Uh, so I think that's, that's one of the things. And, and people start telling me, I used to hear people talk when we're really booming. People talk about how, Oh, you might've exhausted this. You, you know, maybe oh, saturated, sa saturated. I hit that all time. And I was like, we're not even, we're not even touching what's, what's actually available out there. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's, 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 it's an amazing, uh, an amazing industry. It was the first time I found a business that could actually scale at a, at a level where you can like, okay, this is interesting now. It's very interesting. Yeah. yeah and the level of yeah. scale and just, it really kind of puts it in perspective. Like, you know, if I can do this many sales or leads in a day, how many people are out there that are happen to be say looking for a car or oh, exactly. you know, need yeah. this app, right? It's like, Oh my God, there are a lot of people in the world. Yeah. And then you just get, you get the right people who become uh, quote, quote unquote experts in that particular vertical. And they start to understand the language. They understand, understand the, the imagery, you yeah. know, and then, and then you've got a, a very, uh, a very rehearsed sales funnel. And it's just it becomes magic. For sure. Yeah. So, so in your, in your career, you've been at this since, since 2014. Mm -hmm. um, is there a time where you've really just made a big blunder or really screwed up on a campaign and you're like, 
you know, because I, I feel like it's, you know, it's very up and down. Like you're one day you're the king. The next day you're like, man, I don't know anything. Uh, have you ever had oh, yeah. a real, a real good one? Oh, good. I can tell you so many. I mean, where do I begin? <laughs> right. So you, you sit down and you go, you go back to levels. I, I talk about the levels. So we're all at different levels when we're in, in, when we're starting something new and when we're starting something new, I say you're at the level zero and you go one to four and four is like, you're an expert, you know, like, and yeah. so as you work your way up, you're constantly making new mistakes. But uh, yeah, I can remember, I can remember things like, you know, you just, you, you make a mistake and you, you put in the wrong, uh, the wrong geo or the city or just one little mistake in Facebook or if I'm using Facebook as an example, or where you leave an account running, uh, you know, you thought it was paused and it's running at a thousand bucks a day for 20 days. And, and then suddenly you look at your, your, your credit card and you're like, why are we spending money here? Like what's going on? And then, then you're like, that went nowhere for, you know, 20 days. That's great a true for story. Facebook. That, yeah. It's a true story. And, and, you know, they have no empathy, you know, to, to our blunder, no. but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, stuff like that happens all the time. We saw stuff like that happen all the time. You know, are you running, uh, there's so, what's so interesting is there's so many details that are, it's all detail work, you know, when you really get into it. First, there's this overall concept of how to approach this, but then you get into the real technical aspects and whatever program you're using for your tracking, depending on how sophisticated that is, you know, um, you know where, where it's re redirecting to or, or if you're A-B testing to make sure that that's splitting things evenly or, or, or unevenly depending. Uh, and there's so many, um, so many places where you can, I, I, I call it failure modes. There's every little step could be another, another failure mode. You yeah. Know, if someone just doesn't hit the right switch in the tracking software, it's not even on. Yeah. And then it's very, sometimes it can be very hard to detect. Like we yeah. think it's doing great. And then you're like, Oh, 25% of our clicks are just going nowhere because yeah. it just wasn't working. But yeah. I, so I always, sorry, go ahead. No, to combat that, we used to put infrastructure in. So that was that was our way to com to combat that. And I think we, I mean, not to give ourselves too much a pat on the back, but I think we did a really good job. And if something like that ever happened, we would take note and we'd be like, okay, well, what happened here? Yeah. And then we would just implement new infrastructure. So we had, we had like literally, this may sound corny, but rules uh, and plans that we would launch. I called them plans. And so if we make a change on any campaign, then the following protocol happens, mm -hmm. right? We're just spending too much money to not be this diligent. Yeah. Like you just, you, why are you going to do that? I don't want to lose, you know, that much money in a day. What's that worth? And so we, uh, we would literally have checklists of things we would do. And then so mm -hmm. simple things like, okay, you know, restart the campaign, whoever did that. And then there's like literally a checklist and obviously digital. And it would be like, you know, 15 minutes after check to make sure that, you know, traffic's actually getting to the page is the offer getting, you know, is everything working? Did we test the pixel? All yeah. that stuff. Yeah. And then that, yeah. that saved us, you know, invaluable amounts. And then also, you know, redundancy systems in terms of having servers up. We learned the hard way about that. You know, servers would go down in the middle of the night. You wouldn't know. Mm -hmm. You wake up in the morning and then Facebook's upset because it realizes you've been sending to, you know, to dead, dead links. And then they pen penalize you. Yeah. And so, yeah, we, we you know, you, you learn the hard way. Yeah. It usually costs you time and money. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah. And, and I see it a lot of like, you know, like that copywriting and creative and the AB testing is, is kind of like marrying the creative side of advertising with kind of the technical side of digital. And they don't ever quite mesh, whether it's, you know, the image I want to use on Facebook doesn't quite work with my landing page or the, what I want to say in, in the ad text in Google, I just don't have enough characters. Right. Yep. And, yeah. But, but I can on the landing page or, you know, these sorts of things are, you know, placing pixels and sorting audiences. It's very, it can be very technical. I think that now we're seeing a few more tools that put the power into the marketer's hand, like Google tag manager and, you know, some of the tools that Facebook has around, you know, creating events and these things are, are helpful, oh, man, man. but, yeah. but there really is like, if you don't, if you don't get one thing, right, just, just right, then the whole thing can fall apart. And so you have to be, uh, cautious, but also optimistic about campaigns, right? Like let's put a cap on this so we don't lose more than $200, but we're willing to at least lose $200 to learn, uh, you know, where the data is at and, and what we can do to, to grow this campaign and improve it. But it's getting better, but also more complex at the same time. Yeah. I think, well, I think that I have to suggest like, I can specifically, and I talk with Facebook, I think they've come a long way with the tools that they put in mm -hmm. place to help people with optimization, especially. And I know where they're going with it. I mean, my, my projection is that they're, you know, they're going to quote unquote, get rid of media buying pretty much. I don't know really how, but they're trying to like get rid of media buying entirely. So you don't really need, 
uh, an immense amount of skill like you do right now to do well with Facebook. So you have to have so much intimate knowledge on all the settings, mm -hmm. but, um, but I see them making improvements from my perspective anyways, in terms of making it easier for people to kind of get their foot in the game. And then you kind of, the, their view is, Hey, we're smarter than you <laughs> just make the campaign, turn the optimization on and let us do the work for you. Skip. Yeah. It. You know, like, <laughs> like let, let, let us figure this out. We got this, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think that they're doing a, a, a decent job there is a perfect no. Um, but again, uh, anytime I see people with all these conspiracy theories about all oh, Facebook's just taking my money, blah, blah, blah. I say, Hey guys, Facebook wants your money. They want you to make money. So they mm -hmm. want you in this ecosystem. So they're not there to hurt you. They're yeah. there to help you. Yeah. And I, and I see a similar thing on, on Google as well, right? Like yeah. they're trying to do things. I mean, you can, you can now set a, set up a campaign that will scan your website and choose the keywords for you. But exactly. I've tried, I've tried it and it's, it's not that great, but I'm sure in five years, it would probably be a lot better. Exactly. But, once, once the AI, as they call it, or where they want to call it now, once yeah. all that stuff improves, I think, you know, there's going to be a time when it's going to be much, much simpler in that regard. And then their, their machine learning is going to do most of the yeah. work for you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it, and so it should, but yeah. I, I wonder what that will do for the creative thinking, right? Like you still have to think about the angles and, you know, the messaging. And I think that's still a very human exercise. At least, but yeah. I, I don't think a computer can take that away just yet. No, not, not, not I, quite. I, I, and and well, I mean, I, I don't know if they ever really could, right? There's just that piece of creativity, and I always appreciate when I see when I look at ads, I, I look at what other people do, and I see how other people approach the same type of vertical, and I'm constantly impressed. Unless sometimes I see something like, man, that's that's clever. Yeah, you know, yeah. Whoever whoever did that, I have to appreciate it. You know, I may I may be I may be upset that we didn't think of it. But, totally. uh, but, but I, I certainly appreciate the creativity that's out there. Again, you know, there's a lot of smart, intelligent people out there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so, so before we, uh, finish, finish up here today, sure. uh, what's sort of a high point? Like, has there been a high point where you're like, this is it, I'm, I'm, I'm the king. Uh, maybe you did fall from that, but you know, was yeah. there a high point with Oh, uh, Absolutely. I can, I can talk about it at length. So, I mean, um, for, for me, what I, what I, what I, what I went through in my, my, my journey, of all this was that. Uh, at first I was, it was exciting. It was adventure. It was necessity for me to do, to do the change that I was doing. And we started to make, um, um, decent, decent revenue. And then, um, I felt as though I think, which most people do, oh, I need to make more revenue. I need to make more revenue. I need to make more revenue. And I found that, uh, that wasn't necessarily like this, 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 I felt this like, Oh, it's going to be this exponential curve of my overall happiness is going <laughs> to be in relation to, you know, how many, how many times we're 10 X in the business, you know? Yeah. And, but, um, after some reflection, I can very, uh, profoundly say my, the happiest moment was actually when, uh, we had, uh, the team up and running in full swing and everyone, and I mean, everyone was doing, doing well, but I saw a significant change in the outlook of the, of the team being some of the staff and the media buyers that were working in the team. And I saw mm -hmm. them, uh, cause it would take, it would, it was a culture thing ultimately. And there was this, this, uh, group of people that we're all in this, uh, this game together. And, uh, I, pu I started putting more and more focus in terms of, you know, what was going on in their lives and, and, and them ultimately getting what they need. We had vision boards up for, you know, I said, you know, what is it that you truly want in your life? You know, show me what you want and seeing those people actually achieve a lot of those things was, uh, was profound. And so That's it was awesome. interesting to me. I wasn't making as much money at that time. Um, but seeing them, uh, in that, and I mean, there was still money being made. Everyone was making more than they needed, so to speak. But uh, it was a it was a unique culture in that regard. So, I, hands down, that was the the highlight for me uh, in terms of, of everything. And at that point, it was just, yeah, I was like, I want to do this forever. Yeah, uh, so know? so rewarding. Yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. And then, yeah, it's good to have that. I always reflect back on that with you know um, with fond memories in terms of stuff. And hey, things change. It's just the way it goes. Welcome to online marketing media. Welcome one day life. you're the king one day. Yeah. One day you're the king. Yeah. Next thing you know, there's coronavirus, right? Right. Uh, you, you, you never know what's coming around the corner. And so, uh, the one thing about being a marketer, I think you got to be, you know, able to pivot really quickly and, uh, and, and shift on things, which is given, given this game, you can, can be selling widgets one day and doing solar the next, you can do whatever. Totally. Yeah. So it's uh, it gives you the flexibility in that regard. So yeah, I think in, in terms of that, that fundamental aspect of this game, I, I absolutely love the autonomy that it gives you. I love it. I mean, awesome. here I am talking to you from my, my kitchen effectively, right? Yeah. You know, on a, on a, on a regular work day, don't have to go down the office because most of that's shut down right now, but. But yeah. you could do that anyway, even if it wasn't this situation, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 that totally resonates with me. I, I think we're similar in that, um, 
respect because, you know, for me, once I saw success and saw how much money I could make and how many leads I could make, it was almost hollow. It was like, okay, well, I've climbed that mountain. I've been there. I've, I've seen what that looks like, but there's something missing. And it, and it, for me, it turns back to the people, whether it's clients or whether it's people you work with, that's the part that's really um, rewarding, right? As a marketer is to be able to help them build and grow and accomplish some of their goals and figure out what they care about. And that's the real um, reward in my mind. So I definitely resonate with what you're saying there. Yeah. It was with, just with people, I'm going to use language. I mean, I, I was with a group of people and we all gave a shit about one another. Yeah. Excuse my language. I mean, yeah. and it was, and it was real, you know, I cared, yeah. I cared about these people. And so that was, that was uh, hands down. The highlight for me was uh, the culture and the, and the group of people that we had working at that time was just magical. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, so let's strive, uh, striving to get back to it. We'll see what happens and try to, try to do that <laughs> with uh, working on it with Cobalt and, and, and some other things that I've got on the go, but it's, uh, it's just constantly wanting to get back to that utopia. For sure. Absolutely. Uh, let's, let's end on that high point. Um, sure, uh, I appreciate your time, Oliver. I really appreciate you diving in on all these stories and, uh, and sharing. Uh, is there somewhere that people could follow you or check out Cobalt? Uh, maybe you can share the website or social yeah, media. Yeah, Cobalt. I mean, you can get the, the website link if you want to put it in, in lower to the, to the company and see uh, what we're doing that way. And I'm not a big social media guy myself, you know, cause I, uh, I make money uh, through social media, but I try not to be a prolific poster you know? Sure. Uh, so I'm not big on, on self-promotion or anything like that in that regard. But if someone wants to get a hold of me, they can through Cobalt or, uh, or any media. If you do search, Google search my name, you'll find my racing website and all that kind of stuff. Cool. So it's Cobalt.com. Yes. Cobalt app, I believe. So if they, they okay. just recently changed it, so you'll have to, you may have to edit this piece, but they just, <laughs> they just literally changed it. So it, it depends what Graham just, uh, just set up. Okay. Cause I remember awesome. this going back and forth. It was Cobalt app or Cobalt thing.net. It was all kinds of things. Oh yeah. 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 Cool. Well, uh, again, appreciate your time and uh, thanks for being on the podcast. Absolutely. My pleasure, mate. Have a good day. Hope everyone stays safe and safe and sound. Awesome. Thank you. All right, bud. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Turbulent Marketing Podcast. Our show is brought to you by www.jetstream.agency. Be sure to follow us at Jetstream Agency and get more episodes of the Turbulent Marketing Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and share this with one person. Thank you.